Hey friends, it's John Jay. We're here on another One Block Talk. So far we've talked about Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and then we've done one talk about the book of Genesis. I thought that these talks would make me feel like, hey, we're getting some information out there and just a little bit more learning, and yet I love this stuff so much that each time I come to one of these conversations, I am like so sad when I round the corner at the end of the block and think, I have I have like another five hours worth of stuff to say and I've only talked for five minutes, but I've now wasted 30 seconds complaining about the lack of time. The book of Exodus is one of my uh, favorite books in the Bible. In fact, there is a debate within Judaism about whether or not Genesis or Exodus should be the first book of the Bible. In part because the book of Genesis tells the origins of creation in general, of humanity and of the rest of the universe. And it tells it from this expanded perspective. Um, The book of Exodus talks about the creation of the nation of Israel, of this community, of this people. And there's something really important about that story in a way that would almost make it feel like it should be the main primary first story that's told. However, it shows up second in our Bible, um, shows up second in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, The place that Genesis ends is with the uh, growing nation of Israel in Egypt. Partly they were driven there by famine and by family connections they had there. And the book of Exodus opens with the like kind of part two of that story where the uh, Israelites have grown into a huge nation, which evidence is like God's blessing for them, right? In the early part of Genesis, it talks about that God is going to bless creation and the way that God's going to bless is by making it uh, multiply, by it being fruitful. And that's what's happening even in Egypt, even in their own oppression. Uh, But one of the central themes of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew scriptures, is that God is on the side of those uh, who are... Um, vulnerable, exploited, oppressed. The way the Bible talks about it is that God cares for widows, orphans, and uh, strangers, uh, or immigrants, or aliens, or refugees, whatever language you want to use there. These are the ones that have kind of been cast off in society. And so what you have in the book of Exodus in the early part is an entire nation who is being cast off, uh, sort of under the heel of empire. And empire is best understood as Pharaoh's world, Pharaoh's economy, Pharaoh's spirituality, uh, Pharaoh's reality. And it's a harsh one. And so there's this character that arises in the book of Exodus whose name is Moses, Moshe. And Moses is this sort of, he has a dual identity. He is from the Hebrew people, and yet he is adopted by a series of crazy events by the princess of Egypt. So he grows up in the royal palace, and yet he has at his core this identity as part of this slave nation. So he's got this inner tension. But he also has this ability to kind of shift worlds, which is really important and I think prefigures in some fascinating ways the role Jesus is going to play as sort of having a dual reality and dual identity. Okay? So Moses uh, leaves Egypt kind of runs away because of uh, some issues with the law and runs out into the wilderness. The wilderness becomes this other character in Exodus and all the way in through the rest of the book of, uh, all through Torah, first five books of the Bible. He goes into the wilderness, has an experience with God uh, on this mountaintop called Sinai or Horeb, receives these instructions that he is supposed to be God's helper in liberating these people and goes back to Egypt. You may know about like the 10 plagues and all of that. Anyway, around chapter 13 and 14, the people are released from their slavery. Pharaoh's had enough, 
releases them into the wilderness. They cross through the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea, and they enter into this new reality. I had a professor, um, Dr. Ellen Davis at Duke. I mean, just sort of like unreal. If you ever get a chance to hear her speak, you should. If you've never read any of her work, you should. But she told us, I took a class on, uh, on the book of Exodus, an entire semester with her. And she said that whenever the movie The Prince of Egypt came out, which was a movie about the book of Exodus, a, an animated film, it's actually a really good movie. She said that when she was watching it with some students, um, it ended. And it ended with the people's liberation from Egypt. This seems like, like the climax and the conclusion of the story. Like, they're free, it's good, it's all done. She said, when the credits roll, she goes, wait a minute, is this intermission? When are we going to talk about the second half of the book? And they're like, no, that's the end of the movie. She was so disturbed because actually most people understand the first half of the book of Exodus, that story about liberation, about um, Moses and the plagues and God and the people moving through the parted waters of the sea. Like that's a decently familiar story to uh, folks in, you know, a lot of parts of the world. However, that's only half the book of Exodus. Uh, Starting at around uh, chapter 24, 25, you get to the second part of Exodus, which is just as important. It's the story of the building of what we would call the tabernacle or the Mishkan, the first house of the divine in creation. And so for a ton of verses up to about chapter 32, it talks about the preparations for building this tabernacle. And then 32, 33, and 34, those chapters, there's this intense rupture in the story uh, known as the story of the golden calf. And uh, that is an, also an entire, like we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours. It becomes a central disruption and failing in this, uh, in this story. And it follows uh, the nation of Israel and then it follows even into Christianity, the memory of this uh, rupture. And that happens in the sort of, uh, you know, around 32, 33, and 34. Um, In the middle of that tragedy, there is uh, forgiveness, there is consequence, and then there is another beginning. And and then picking up in chapter 35 until the end of the book at 40 is the completion of the building of the tabernacle. So you've got the instructions in in the beginning, you've got this rupture, and then you've got the completion of the tabernacle. And the book of Exodus ends with the people in the wilderness. They have built this tabernacle, this, this movable tent. And then the text says that God's presence, the word is Shekinah, uh, which is where the word for tabernacle comes from. Mishkan is uh, a place of dwelling uh, for God's, God's presence. And God's presence is known as the Shekinah. Uh, it comes and it rests in the tabernacle, like this kind of cloud or this fire. And, and it settles in with the people in the camp. This is both good news and terrifying news, to be this close to all of that divine energy and power. The same power that freed them from Egypt, from the superpower of the world, is now resting in your midst. Uh, We often inherit this cuddly version of God that only ever wants to snuggle us into happiness, and yet the God revealed in Scripture is way more wild and free and dynamic. That is the presence that the book of Exodus ends uh, in focusing on, that the presence of the, the living God, 
uh, dynamic, active, alive, wild, and free is making God's home with God's people in the wilderness. And that's where this book ends. Uh, I understand with Dr. Davis how sad it is that that wasn't the way the movie ends because that actually feels like a climax worth celebrating with a standing ovation at the end of that part of the story. Uh, All right, friends, we've walked the block. That is the book of Exodus. It is one of my favorite books. Uh, I encourage you to read it front to back all in one sitting. We'll talk soon, friends. We'll be back with the book of Leviticus, which is also a great book. Uh, Grace and peace. Talk soon. Bye.